This time on Slaughterhouse Princess, horns. Love hurts like hell. Are you horny, baby? Because I, I really can't help you with that. Sorry. Welcome to Slaughterhouse Princess. I'm Chris. And I'm Troy. And we're back. And Brett is currently, yep, and Brett is currently eating lunch in a lunch line somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Eating hot dogs, probably. Presumably. Like a weirdo. With ketchup and, with ketchup and mustard on them. <laughs> oh. So Horns is a movie that we watched. It is, as suggested to us by Mr. Green. Mm-hmm. Of Mr. Green fame. <laughs> and this movie, like all so, the starts as a beginning. At, at a beginning. At a beginning. Yes. We have Spider-Man kissing on the ground. Mm-hmm. Just weird. I don't care for it. Yeah, like, is that a, like, is that supposed to be like the super sexy way to kiss now in movies? Because I, I feel like that's what that is now. Because, you know, people can't just like, you know, be facing, like, facing the same direction, like point their heads in the same direction and then face their heads towards each other and then mash their heads together as a kiss. No, you have to like, somehow do like a really bad 69 where you just meet at the head. I mean, is, is that the thing now? Yeah. It's all about the head 69. <laughs> uh, that was the, the weirdest way I could describe it. It'd still be accurate. <laughs> it, it is equal parts unpleasant to hear and accurate. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, we have, uh, Iggy Pop and Galadriel are making out in a weird way on the forest floor. Mm-hmm. There's some back and forth about how the I love you. No. I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you more. 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 And uh yeah. Really, like that that's basically what it is. And then we cut over to an upside-down camera. Yeah, this is... I I love a good transition cut. And uh, shout-out to Josh Knight, who also loves a good transition cut. And, yeah, when they like, kind of fall through the forest floor and fall up out of the, uh, the house floor to a very hungover Iggy Pop. Yeah, turns out he's uh, taken up professional alcoholism yep and uh unfortunately dana radcliffe had plenty of uh material to call on for this but uh shout out to him for uh, apparently staying sober during it so good for you uh but yeah a lot of that empty whiskey bottles that don't have whiskey in them that he wants to drink and uh outside so he goes uh, what no I would say so. He goes for the other opiate of the masses, uh, music. Yeah, uh, David Bowie, hero. Mm-hmm. And then he screws up his record because you can't just put your finger on it when it's spinning, man. That's, that's well, bad. unless you want to. I mean, unless you're, you're running a turntable or something. He certainly was not running the mixes, son. No, no, he was not dropping plates, but uh, he. Uh, but I, I was really hoping that this was some like kind of digitally remastered version of like Hero that we were hearing, even though he was playing vinyl. Because I just was like, I don't know. I have a weird like disdain for people who are like vinyl's the best. Even you know, I don't know. It's just it seems weird to me that people think vinyl's the best. It's an opinion, not a fact. Huh, that, that's a real me-level complaint to have about something. 
Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just getting it in now so that when later on I can be like, I've, I've gotten all this out of my system. And it uh, turns out there's a whole bunch of news crews outside, which, as we all know, ain't a good thing. Nope. Oh, and also, uh, Iggy Pop is dressed up like a hot dog. Uh-huh. Yep. Not literally. Yep. Nope, nope. He's got a brown jacket symbolizing the bun. And he is the he is the meat inside the bun. And then there is a ketchup red shirt that he's wearing with a mustard yellow hoodie over the top of it. And then the brown bun jacket over that. So the dude is like literally just dressed up like a metaphorical hot dog. I don't know why. I don't know if it's supposed to symbolize anything or if somebody just thought he should look like a hot dog. But one of my one of my, my second biggest peeve about this movie is his fucking hot dog outfit. <laughs> You've uh, got some real strange problems with this movie. <laughs> I do. I just, oh man, I don't know what it is about it. it drives me nuts about his fucking outfit, but it fucking drives me nuts. And so uh, we basically get the gist of the situation here. Turns out his girlfriend was murdered. Murdidly erdlered, Chris. Murdidly erdlered. Yes. And every- we will also accept murdered if needed. Hmm. I'm more inclined to say that. And everybody says that he's the guy what did it. Yep. So he uh, calls up his lawyer. Um, Eyebrows Esquire? Yeah. And uh, he's going to meet up at the at his parents' house. With the douchiest brother... I mean, like, he doesn't even act douchey. He just, like, radiates douche. Yeah. From, like, every pore. Like, all I gotta say is, around him, I always feel fresh. So, uh, he gets into a little tiff with his family because they're kind of like, uh, take the plea deal, you know? Cover your ass and, you know, get get out of this. And he's like, I didn't do it. You guys don't think I did it. And he storms off. And, And douche brother does what we all do and grabs a trumpet to play it for him as he goes to comfort him. Because what the fuck was that about? Because music soothes the savage beast. There's nothing soothing about a fucking trumpet solo. (laughs) I don't know. I enjoy a good Louis Armstrong every now and then. Yeah, but not when you're outside contemplating probable suicide because of the horrible situation you find yourself in. And then your douchey brother comes out with his probable hipster scarf i don't recall but a definite hipster beard though and he's all hey i'm gonna play some weird ska for my band yep it's like oh here like let me rip off some real big fish for you <laughs> i know it'll help you feel better <laughs> some sell- nut zippers <laughs> sell out <laughs> uh and then uh but at- during the trumpet serenade uh, eyebrows Esquire arrives with his giant eyebrows. Yep, and he's got some bad news. Turns out the uh, forensics lab got burnt down. Yeah, the one that had all the DNA evidence that was going to show that Iggy Pop uh, did not kill his girlfriend. Why, girlfriend? And uh, yeah, it burnt down. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, Iggy Pop does what any of us probably would do at this point and heads to the bar. Yep, where he proceeds to drink whiskey and get hit on by a tattooed woman. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, there's a, a bunch of him drinking and he gets all upset. There's a candlelight vigil at the crime scene. Oh, well, the, it is great, though. The The bartender's like, uh, dude, could you not drink here? Because all the tough biker dudes are kind of disturbed by you. <laughs> and he's like, wait, like, I scare these guys? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then, yeah, there's Kenlight Vigil led by Dopey Dwarf. And, uh, you know... Iggy Pop does what you normally do when you're drunk and you hide outside the candlelight vigil of your murdered girlfriend and wait till everybody leaves so you can break all the Virgin Mary statues and piss on it. Yep. 
Oh, wait. What was the bad pun I made, Chris? Oh, oh yeah. All of a sudden, I have to pull one out. That's... <laughs> well, I... Let's see. Hold on. And, uh, yeah. So, we were watching this and messaging back and forth like we do. Uh, and... And uh, I remember, Chris, I said some pun, and Chris got kind of bent out of shape about it, and then he started peeing on the Virgin Mary statues, and I was like, well, don't get pissy about it, Chris, and he's like, fuck you even more. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yep. Well, let's see. I, was, I thought it was good, but maybe it's not. It's a pun, so it probably wasn't. Oh, it, no, it's a total good pun. Uh, da 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 Vamp, 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 da, vamp, vamp. Do, 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 not stalling for time. Yeah, da, da, gremlin car. Oh, he drives a gremlin. Uh, we we figured that out. That's true. It's they they. Chris and I were debating whether it was a gremlin or a pacer until they do a close up of the hood, and it's and it's definitely a fucking gremlin. Yeah. I, oh, oh, I'm oh, almost oh. there. Oh, oh. Yes, because so so Iggy Pop, played by Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe is uh, there, and he's got like the shaggy hair, and he's got the kind of super stubbly face, and he's wearing a deep V catch-up red shirt, so all of his chest hair is popping out, and I was like, Harry Potter, am I right? And Chris is like, fuck you, and I'm like, well, there's no reason to get pissy about it. And he's like, fuck you even more! Yeah, that's about right. That's 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 the story. Probably wasn't worth the wait. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's good. It's good we burnt forty five seconds on that. Yeah, or Chris said, or as Chris actually said, that seems uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> that whole bit was uncalled for. I was right. I saw the future. Yeah, I'm Chris is Chris is psychic. So, uh, he pisses on everything, and uh, oh, what's her head from the bar is there, and she's like, hey, maybe I don't know, not piss on everything. She's like, why don't we go back to your place? And he's like, I'm drunk. Sure. <laughs> so they do. And then it's the next day. Yep. And he's got little little nubs starting to protrude from his head parts. And there's great noises that accompany the little growing of his of his titular horns. And it's kind of good. Like, I don't know, like somebody definitely uh, hunted around for the right sound for growing horns because it, it kind of makes you kind of cringe when you hear it. And uh, we we get the first of the weirdness now that yep. the boards are here. Although we do totally see that she has a phoenix tattooed on her back, which I was like, oh, it's Fox or Fuchs. Fuchs, I think, is the Harry Potter one. And uh, yeah, so, you know, the the phoenix that inspired the name Order of the Phoenix. I'm uh, pretty sure she has a tattoo of him on her back. Nice Harry Potter reference. I know practically nothing about Harry Potter. That's... That's probably good, but kind of sad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's it's kids' books, but it's fun. I regret nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't regret that. It's there's orders of magnitude less regrettable than some things you've done. Also true. Yep. So, uh, old, uh, old bar lady, she's like, hey, think I can have a donut or possibly... All of the donuts? All six of these donuts? And I was like, oh, gluttony. Yeah, and Iggy Pop's like, I don't give two fucks or shit. Eat all the donuts, whatever. Like, And so she's like, fine, I'm going to eat this donut. And then she eats the donut. She's like, oh, no, this is bad. I need to drink some Coke or Pepsi. I don't remember which the product placement was to, uh, to, to wash this donut down. And then she's like, fuck it. I'm getting another donut. <laughs> So presumably she just alternated donut and soda to finish off those six donuts. Yeah, that's an American ass breakfast right there. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's the breakfast of how I got fat. <laughs> and then she just casually remarks how she wants to get fat because everybody thinks she's human trash and nobody likes her and will have nothing to do with her, so she might as well be a big fatty. And he's like, uh, cool, cool, um. So I'm going to yep. go now. Yep. And I thought I saw cutting scars on her thigh, but Chris thinks Chris thinks they're a tattoo. So I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it again to see. But either one would be appropriate for this character, I feel like. Mm-hmm. 
So then we're off to the doctor's office because, you know, he's got horns and that's not normal. Nope, generally not. And like she totally comments on his horns like they're like, oh, yeah, you got horns. Like, yeah, no big deal. And uh, And there's (laughs) Dolores Herbig with her big brown eyes uh, is the receptionist. Mm hmm. If for anybody who liked uh, Dead Like Me, like I did. And then there's Terrible Mother in the in the uh, waiting area with Terrible Kid. Yeah, Terrible Kid is screaming the entire time. And uh, Terrible Mother goes on to tell a delightful story about how she wants to kick her kid down the stairs, leave her husband, and have lots of sex with her golf pro. Yep, because, you know, she's not, she's not racist at all, but... Uh, you know, what they say about black cocks is true, and she calls it her five iron. Mm-hmm. Direct quote. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, to be, just to be clear. And uh, and then when he accidentally touches her, he gets a flash of her getting pounded by the uh, golf pro. So that was nice and enlightening for him. And then Dolores Herbig is like, I just want to strangle that child and slap that mother. Can I do that? And he's like, uh, no, no. No, he says totally. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, so, no, yep. And then uh, and the kid and then the kid has the best fucking confession of the whole fucking scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the kid's like, I want to set mommy on fire. <laughs> yep. And you got to give the kid credit because it's unsettling, but not in like a like normal. Oh, that kid's so creepy kind of a way. No, it's just like something like a, you know, it's like kids say weird shit. And I could just totally see a kid like, I want to set mommy and daddy on fire while they sleep. Only this kid obviously meant it, which was even creepier. <laughs> and the uh, the weird uh, confessions just keep on coming when he goes into the examination room. Yep. And the nurse is there. Yeah. yeah, hello, nurse. Mm-hmm. And she confesses that her boyfriend has been cheating on her and that maybe she should go put some dog shit in that girl's car. Or maybe she should just shit in the car. Yep. <laughs> She's like, do you think I should do that? And he's like, uh, uh, no, no, don't, don't do these things. Why, why, why would you know? And then the doctor shows up and he, uh, he really just wants to bang his daughter's friend and do a bunch of Oxycontin. Yep, and and uh, either Chris or I wanted to ask the question: uh, How how old is his daughter? Uh, we're just going to assume she is at least eighteen. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but yeah, like it's and and he keeps forgetting about the horns every time he looks away from them. They're like the silence in Doctor Who. And so uh, he's like, "Well, we're going to put you under and take a bone saw to those." And he's like, "Wait, yeah. is this going to?" Is this going to work? He's like, I don't fucking know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm just going to give you a bunch, of, a bunch of anesthesia, and then we'll see what I go, where things go from there. And then we have the, I guess, anesthesia dream about the past uh, where he met the uh, Gladriel. Yeah, and this is all about, you know, how they were the losers club when they were kids or whatever. Yeah, she flashed her cross at him in Morse code. And then left her broken cross chain necklace thing in the pew. And he grabs it. And then him, uh, young eyebrows Esquire, young douche brother, young meathead, and young tattooed girl, uh, apparently bought and or stole a bunch of groceries from the store. We're not really sure because they're like, racing down the road with a shopping cart with a bunch of stuff in it and you're like are they just running because they're excited or are they running because they stole stuff because they're kind of running like they stole stuff yeah and so they uh they do what every kid likes to do at that point in time and they blow up a bunch of shit yep they have a bunch of cherry bombs and they're sticking them in turkeys and watermelons and teddy bears and something else and uh, the one in the turkey doesn't seem to, to to light properly, so Meathead starts going towards it, and then it explodes and showers him in turkey gore. And they're like, oh, now you're really Meathead. Ha 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 ha. Hilarious. Yep. 
And then Meathead's like, well, I only have one cherry bomb left. I'm going to save it. And they're like, come on, man. He's like, fine. I'll give you the cherry bomb if one of you goes up on top of the log flume and in a shopping cart and rides down the log flume into the water. But you have to do it naked. And so Iggy Pop is like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. And he gets up there, the shopping cart, in his underwear and socks and shoes, which... Again, people don't seem to understand what naked means. This isn't the first movie that's misunderstood what the term naked means, but he uh, zooms down the log flume in the shopping cart, flies out into the water, and then gets trapped under a bunch of logs that you know, were just being floated in the water. And he can't get out, and then Eyebrows Esquire dives in and saves him. Yep. And that was quite the hefty price to pay for a cherry bomb. Yep. Uh, well, the price gets bigger later. And so they they get out and Meathead's like, the dude's not naked. I mean, he's obviously still wearing clothes. And they're like, fuck you. He basically did it. Give us the cherry bomb. And he's like, fine, fuckers. Here's the fucking cherry bomb. And he gives it to Iggy Pop. And then Iggy Pop's like, hey, eyebrows. Uh, you, you know how to fix jewelry somehow. Uh, if, if I give you this cherry bomb, how about you fix this cross that, uh, the Gladriel left behind and he, then again, eyebrows is like, sure. Mm-hmm. And so he does. And so, um, he gives the necklace back to Gladriel and they're all like, Hey, cool. Let's hang out. Hey, where's your mom? She died of cancer. Hey, Cool. Let's go listen to David Bowie. And and then the tragedy strikes. Yep. Eyebrows blows off two of his two or three of his fingers with the cherry bomb. And Iggy's like, this is all my fault if I hadn't given him the cherry bomb. And and Galadriel, just so you know, I I really it was really eyebrows that fixed it. I just gave it to you back to you. And she's like I left it there for you to find. Like, it was for you. It was never for him. Like, it's not like you can just trade me for things. I am not a, I am not like a prize camel or something. <laughs> like, I'm a human being who thinks, and I had long chosen you. Doesn't matter who fixed the fucking necklace. And they have their first kiss. And then we. And then, so while they're kissing his kids in the treehouse that he shows her in his magical Bridge to Terabithia forest, and uh, and then they pan across the from one window to another, and in the time it takes them to pan across the windows, they age like fifteen years. So it was it was a really slow pan. Yeah, super slow. Super slow motion. And then they have intercourse. Yep. They 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 bang to and music is playing. Good music cuz they they play a lot of good music in this movie. There's some pixies at some point. Yeah, copious amounts of David Bowie. Yep. And uh and then we end up back with Iggy with his Oh, and Iggy at that point wakes up from his fever dream. His, his anesthesia-induced fever dream, and there's just a bone saw stuck in his horn, one of his horns, and the nurse and the doctor are just going at it next to him, and he's like, what are you guys doing? Like, well, we asked, we asked you if you could, if we should do it, and you said yes. He's like, I was unconscious. Like, well, you kind of, like, nodded slightly, so he took that as, as affirmation that we should just bone right next to you, right here, where we work, as Boston employee, I don't see what's wrong with this. Yeah, this is totally normal and fine, and you're the weirdo in all this. <laughs> so, uh, old Iggy Pop decides, uh, I better find a priest. Maybe he can help me with all this, and tries to tell him what's going on. And the priest, uh, he's not a big fan of any of nope. this. Nope. No, because he's like, You fucking killed that girl. Uh, you should hang. Do, do you want me to hang you? I'll, I'll, I'll take you to the forest and I'll hang you. Can, can I hang you? 
And uh, Iggy's like, uh, actually, no, I'd rather not be h- hanged. So uh, get the fuck away from me, dude. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he runs across Eyebrows Esquire and he's all like, man, these horns, man, it's weird. And he's like, eh, horns, bro? What are you talking about? I don't see no horns. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, because you're a good guy, so you don't see the horns. Only bad people see the horns. Yeah, you don't have some weird, twisted, perverted confession to make to me. That's lovely. I like you. So he uh, he heads back to his parents' house because that's going to go well. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's mom and dad. They always make you feel better. And uh, they they don't. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Mom is like, you, I just wish you would never come around. I don't ever want to see you because you did that horrible thing. And I don't want you in my life. I wish you would just go away and never come back. And he's like, ah, well, mom, ah. <laughs> you know, because your parents telling you they don't ever want to see you again. <laughs> that fucking, it's like heart wrenching. <laughs> yeah. So he decides to go see what dad's got to say. What's dad's hot take on all this? Dexter's dad. The Dexter's dad says, he says, well, I really only liked you because of uh, Gladriel. That's the only reason I even associate with you anymore. Although I did burn down the fucking evidence lab to try to help you out, you ungrateful fuck. Because I was sure you did it, so I figured if I destroyed the evidence, you couldn't get convicted. And he's like, fuck, that was the evidence that was going to not convict me because I didn't fucking do it, you fucking asshole. (laughs) So he, uh, he decides it's time time to go back. It's bar o'clock again. Yeah, well, because, you know, you got nothing better to do other than be, like, told that your parents don't love you. Might as well go drink. And, uh, of course, the reporters are still following him around. Yep. And, and they're, hey, I got a good plan, guys. Who Who wants a hot interview with me? All of you, duke it out. Last one standing gets the interview. And they go to town on each other, and it's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's kind of like a mini version of the church scene from Kingsman. Yeah. I mean, it's toned down a bit, but it's kind of like that same kind of feel to it, which is really good. So he uh, just lets them duke it out in the parking lot while he heads to the bar. And uh, people at the bar go equally crazy. Yep. Uh, when the, the bartender's like, I just want to set this bar on fire and collect the insurance money. I don't even want to even serve drinks anymore. Like, fuck this shit. And one dude's like, I just want to show everybody here my dick. Hey, guys, here's my dick. So uh, thank you, Mr. Green, for helping up our dick to boob ratio. Thank you. That was great. And then the bartender follows through on his plans. And <laughs> yeah, he pours like some fire. The person Ron Saul or whatever on the bar and just like lights it up while holding a a vodka bottle with a rag soaked in it stuck into it. It's like, oh, yeah, dude. And uh, and then uh, Iggy Pop's like, you know, maybe I don't want to drink that bad. But he does hear from one of the patrons that the um, the secret star witness that the prosecution has is a waitress. At the diner he was at the night that his girlfriend was killed. But the thing is, uh, witnesses can't be secret thanks to Discovery, but that's that's fine. Let's, let's not get into the ins and outs of the complicated legal system. That's yeah, I know. Beyond the scope of this. I mean, if we wanted to do that, we watch My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, check out our new My Cousin Vinny podcast coming soon. <laughs> hey, people use it to teach law classes. It's actually pretty accurate but anyway so he leaves the bar as the bar catches on fire and then we, uh he goes to have a delicious smoky treat in the car and has a himself another flashback to the yep. diner in question yep where um he well before the diner he is meeting with eyebrows esquire and douche bro and he's like this is the ring I'm going to ask her to marry me because we've been dating since we were four and I, we probably should just get married at this point because we've been together forever already. 
So being together forever from now on seems pretty reasonable. So let's get, I'm going to get, we're going to get married. And douche bro's like, should I bring drugs? Cause drugs. Cause like, I was going like, to bring them anyway, but I just thought I'd ask. Yeah. And, and then Iggy's like, well, I'll probably be already high on life at that point when she says yes. So I don't think we really need drugs. And dude, then douche bro's like, that's fine. I'll bring some drugs. Yeah. I heard drugs. That's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> And then we get to the diner where uh, he walks in and Gladriel's sitting at the booth and he sits down and she has to tell him something. Yeah. Turns out that she has different plans for this meeting. Yep. She's going to move to L.A. to get a fresh start. Yep. She's been California dreaming because, you know, the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. Yeah. And yeah. But it's just the papas on account of her mom already died. Yeah. It's kind of wah, wah. And Iggy Pop's like, hell yeah, L.A., let's do this thing. Let's light this candle. And she's like, no, no, you misunderstand. I'm going to L.A. Yeah, you're going to stay here and be a radio DJ. Because you, you don't know what you want. I don't know what I want. We've been together since we were kids. It's not fair for either one of us. Yeah, where, I don't know. I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic, so I'm like, well, you if you know, you fucking know. Like, you don't need to be like, well, maybe there's somewhere else, someone else better out there. I'm like, well, no. I am, I am like super duper 110% happy now. Like, I don't need anyone else. I don't want anyone else. Let's just do it. But no, she's like, no. I mean, how do we really know? I mean, there's not someone out there who can make me 111% happier. Like, yeah, we should, we should, we should just, we should just find this out. Like we should just not, not be together for a while. Like, yeah, I mean, it worked so well for Ross and Rachel. We should do that too. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's always how I get my relationship advice is friends. Yep. Not people I know, but the television program. Exactly. I think Brett pretty much is Joey. So yeah, I can, I can see where that would be uh, applicable to you, Chris. Mm-hmm. And uh, Iggy Pop takes it poorly. Yeah, I Daniel Radcliffe does a fantastic job making a vein pop out of his forehead, like about six inches. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, he takes it. His character takes it about as well as you expect it. When you're like want to ask a woman to marry you, the woman you've been with for like ten years at this point, and she says. I think we should see other people. <laughs> yeah, an understandable response. Yeah, and he he loses his shit. And the the diner bouncer is like, uh, maybe you should not be here. And he's like, no, that's fine. I don't want to be here with this slut whore anyway. Because fucking slut whore, blah, and then storms out and drives off. And then... uh. The dawn breaks on the next day, and he's all passed out in his car. And old, uh, what, Meatwad or whatever? Meathead. Meathead. Cap, uh, cop. He's now a cop. Now available in cop form. Yes. With with action cop car. And he's, uh, he's like, hey, buddy, you're going to have to come with us, you know, on account of uh, something. And he's like, oh, let me guess, she's dead now. And he's like, well, that's weird. Um, so she's like, he's like, and he's like, it's all my fault. Because, yeah. you know, he, he feels guilty for go flying off the hand ladder and they, they take that as a confession. Yep. Real solid police work there, guys. Yep. Yep. Uh, he reminds me of Officer Chunk from uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, if anyone has played that. <laughs> and if, if you haven't, you should. It's really good. But you got to patch it to make it work. But. Just Google Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines patch. It'll be fine. So, uh, Iggy Pop heads back to the diner and finds the waitress lady. Troller girl! And he's like, hey, uh, what the fuck, man? That You didn't see nothing. Not, you're full of shit. And she's like, yeah, I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be on all the... I'm going to be on Good Morning America today and... Uh, Fox and friends telling everyone about how you you 
stormed out of here saying you were going to kill that bitch and I'm going to be famous and I'm going to have a reality show and I'm going to have my own perfume line and I'm going to name my my child West and it's going to be great. And so, uh, of course, seeing as how well that went for him, he storms off to the local jazz club? Semi-local jazz club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which will become important later and his brother is playing douchey hipster jazz with his duper his douchey hipster jazz trumpet and for some reason tattoo girl is there mm-hmm. and- although we did find out earlier that tattoo girl as a as a younger girl uh, apparently did not have much of the self-esteem and apparently was like giving hand jobs to his her friends to because she thought that's how they would pay attention to her and that was kind of sad and she's like i should just leave like i just i just want to leave town should i just leave he's like yeah fuck you should leave get the fuck out of here start a new life it'd be great and she's like oh no because she still loves iggy she's always loved iggy pop yeah who for the record did not write schools out for the summer Nope. <laughs> Just nope. In case anybody's confused by that. I don't know who would be, but if you were. But he did pose for that photo in the dictionary next to Wiry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because Iggy Pop is one Wiry motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, he's, not, he's not all beefy and bulky like Carrot Top. Yeah. Yeah, what's which, up with that? Which is the weirdest fucking thing to have to say. Carrot Top is jacked. <laughs> it's that human. It's that carrot growth hormone that he's using. The CGH. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the drug test can't pick it up. That's true. It's like, you know all carrots. Yeah, because you know the the, the comedian circuit they they totally test for for uh, performance enhancing drugs. If you fail a drug test, you get to keep going. But if you pass a drug test, you're not a comedian anymore. Nope. They're like, ah, oh, you came back, you came back clean. You're you're not a real comedian. Get out of here. Now you can only have the life experiences to be able to be a com- good comedian. Now, go do some drugs and come back. So anyway, so. Iggy gets the douche brother outside, and he's like, man, that uh, that waitress girl is totally lying about stuff. And he's like, yeah, I know. I totally left with her and took her in my car places. Whoops. <laughs> yep. And then you get a nice flash to flashback to him driving her to Las Vegas. And, um, and he's like, you want some drugs? I got drugs. Here's some drugs. You want some drugs? Because drugs... Uh, well, if you're not going to do the drugs, I'm going to do the drugs. And uh, so drugs. And she's like, no, how about you pull over so I don't have to ride in a car with a dude who's doing drugs? And he's like, well, but the drugs say I shouldn't. And she's like, but I'm saying you should. And he's like, okay, fine. I will pull over and do some drugs. It'll give me time to do more of these drugs. <laughs> yeah. And she runs off into the woods. Yep. And he's like, um, it's raining and it's dark and it's not really that warm out. Are you sure you want to be war- running off into the woods instead of doing drugs? Well, I'm just going to pass out now. And then he wakes up in the morning, which is a recurring theme, turns out. Yep. And people tend to do that, I hear. And he's got a bloody rock in his hand, which doesn't look great. Nope. But there's no bloody roll, so he's he's not on the, the Sex Pistols hit list. And so in his uh, bid for wiriest man in America, he runs to the lake and takes off his shirt and throws the uh, blood rock into the lake. Yep. I mean, he's no Iggy Pop, but he's still pretty wiry. And uh, so after all of this nonsense, Iggy, understandably upset... You know, beats on his brother for a while, which is kind, know? which is kind of funny because Daniel Radcliffe is about a foot shorter than this guy. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Radcliffe, he he's a he's a good actor and all, but he he suffers from Tom Cruise'sism, where he has trouble like being taller than five 
four. Yeah, it's weird how physical size does that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And so, but he still manages to beat up his brother some until the cops show up. And it is Meathead and his partner. Yeah. And they break it up and they throw. And while they're handcuffing uh, Iggy Pop, because he's outside the county line, so apparently he's breaking whatever. It's not parole if it's pretrial, but it's his pretrial release conditions, apparently. And uh, he, uh, cause he, cause he crossed the county line. And, uh, and so instead of going to the Footloose dance, he went to the jazz club. And he... Um, and then while they're arre- well, they're rearresting him, they kind of admit that the the two cops kind of admit they kind of have the hots for each other. Yeah, which is adorable. Yeah, and uh, and so then they they throw him in the you know they they throw him in the cop car, and then you see the next morning him being rebailed out by Eyebrows Esquire, who again cannot see the horns. Mm-hmm. And then. Iggy makes a discovery that he's got the cross necklace from Gladriel. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Is that Gladriel's necklace?" He's like, "No, no, no man, this is mine." Yeah, I've this, had this for ages. I wear this all the time. He's like, "Dude, I know what her fucking cross looks like. I've been staring at it between her breasts for like ten years, or as long as she's had breasts, which is probably less than ten years." But oh, that got weird quick. Yeah. Sorry. So, uh, Iggy Pop, understandably upset, is like, well, I guess I guess this is what this was about. She was really leaving me for you, so I'm going to go try to talk to her dad, because that's probably somebody that wants to talk to me right now. Yeah. You know, because the dopey dwarf, the dad, who was uh, leading the, the candlelight vigil, talking about how he wishes they would just convict and, like, execute Iggy Pop. <laughs> He's the guy I should talk to. And uh turns out, funny story, that uh that didn't work out well for him because the guy just pulls a shotgun and tells him to fuck all the way off. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird how that works when people don't like you, they they tell you to leave. And so he uh he heads to the local abandoned building to try to remove the horns by ramming them into concrete. Yep, and he can't bust them off with concrete, so then he wraps them around rebar and bends the rebar with them. So, dude has, like, serious neck muscles. Yeah. Yeah. And that, of course, makes all the snakes show up. Yeah, there have been kind of, like, snakes kind of slithering around here and there. Like, at the diner, he saw one. I was like, oh, there's buns in that there diner. And, uh, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, the snakes all show up, and he's like, you know what? If I'm going to like look like a fucking demon, I might as well act like a fucking demon. Yeah, so he goes all in with it. He uh he has a snake party with the diner girl. And he's like Which is way less sexier than you would imagine yeah. with Heather Graham. And uh basically says, "Hey, uh you ain't so pretty no more, huh?" Ha <laughs> Yeah. All away. those all those snake bites in there, you know, their venom coursing through your veins. Probably not gonna. You're not gonna look too good for very long. So, ah, fuck you. I'm trying to fuck my life up. I'm fucking you up instead. And there's a great shot though where she's in the car and she's kind of doing her thing, and then she like moves the rearview mirror to look to do her to check her makeup, and then she moves it back, and there's Iggy in the in the rearview mirror behind the car, and you're like, yeah, he's the fucking like horror villain now. He's you know that was kind of fun. I liked it. And the uh, he heads back to his parents, you know, because those fuckers got it coming. Yep. And the cops show up, and they're like, hey, man, we're going to fucking get you. And he's like, wouldn't you guys just be a lot happier if you just admitted you were totally gay for each other and just, just did the damn thing already? Come on, guys. Yeah. Like, I know you were raised to think that being gay was a sin, and then Meathead's like, I totally shoplifted gay porno when I was a kid and hid it from everybody. And he's like, yeah, you know, like, just just embrace it. Why don't you guys just suck each other off and I'm going to go do my thing. And they're like, you know what? We're going to go full bear on each other. Yep. And they do. 
when that cop car is a rocking. And I love, and I love that the music gets like happy and sweet when that happens. Like, it's not like, you know, it gets almost romantic. And I was like, that is a good touch. Cause you know, like, fuck that being a, it being a sin shit. Just you do you and then do your partner apparently. And, uh, and it worked out great. Yeah. Cause like porn stash guy was like, yeah, because Meathead and Pornstash were like the two cops. And Pornstash is like, I totally wanted to be your partner because I thought you were hot. And Meathead's like, I think you're hot too. And they're like, just dudes, just bone. They're like, you know what? We should just bone. And then they bone. Mm-hmm. And the music is happy. And it's great. And then uh, Igghead's home where he's like, hey, brother, you know how you like drugs? How about you do some? No, not some. Do all. All the drugs. And he's like, but I have this whole like in bag full of drugs he's like yeah do the drugs he's like okay fine i'll do the drugs while i'm talking to you and then he just like does drugs the entire time that iggy's talking to iggy and i forget what he says to iggy he just yells a lot even though there is a good shot of hesitation it's the almost yeah. the only time in the whole movie where you see somebody like not want to do it but have to do it yeah because he's like Fuck, I know I'm going to overdose if I do these drugs, but I can't stop myself because, like, you know, my my basest drive is telling me to do it. And he has reinforced it now. And fuck. Oh, fuck. This is going to fuck me up. But fuck, I'm going to do it anyway. And oh, it was good. Yeah, it was kind of a nice little human moment. And he uh, he has a train spotting esque moment where he sinks into the floor and such. Yep. I think I called it fear and loathing in Seattle, but I think train spotting is better. Log spotting. Log spotting. Yep. And he uh, he heads down to the docks the next day to meet up with uh, Eyebrows Esquire. And uh, he sees Eyebrows with the cross and pulls it off. And then Eyebrows sees the horns. And, and he's like, hey, wait, what? And then he comes out with it. And he says, look, I did it. I killed her. You fucking jerk ass. Yeah, I loved her too. And, you know, and she didn't want to be with you. So that obviously meant she wanted to be with me. So I followed her into the woods after she got your brother's car. And I confessed. And I, and I just, and I didn't confess. I just admitted what was between us. And I gave name to it. And that we loved each other. And but then you see her being like, dude, no, fuck, you're just my friend. Get the fuck away from me. And he's like, but we love each other. And she's like, oh, no, we don't. And he says, this rock says I do. <laughs> yeah, it, it escalates quickly, to say the least. Yeah, and it basically bec- and I mean, it, it's almost a rape. But it becomes a murder and before it can become a rape. And since this isn't necromantic, it's not a rape. Ugh. Yeah. And so uh, we jump back to the the present time, and now they're going to have themselves a good old-fashioned scrap. Oh, but Iggy Pop at some point picks up a fucking pitchfork from the the ye old abandoned warehouse because he's a fucking devil. Get it? Pitchfork. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I didn't have that correlation. It was so subtle. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad I could explain that to you, Chris. What other... What other things should I explain to you as a man would explain things? <laughs> uh, so, uh, they have themselves <laughs> a little scrap, which ends up with uh, Iggy Pop getting whipped in the back with a giant chain, shoved in his gremlin, and uh, set on fire. And pushed into the lake? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Eyebrows Esquire heads to the cops, and he's like, yeah, he confessed the whole thing and then immolated himself and drove his car into a lake. You know, that common thing that people do. He was obviously overcome with guilt. <laughs> it's like so many people before him, he self-immolated and drove a car off of uh, Doc. Yep, he, he drove and quartered himself, <laughs> immolated himself, and then drove himself off of, a, <laughs> off of a dock and then buried himself. <laughs> and, uh, but turns out he ain't dead. He pulls himself out of the lake, except for now he's all burnt up and the horns are real big and it's pretty cool looking. Yep. And it, it, and then uh, so he makes his 
charred ass way over to her to Gladriel's dad, Dopey Dwarf, and he's like, you know who, like, you know who really killed your your daughter was Eyebrows Esquire, and not me. And he's like, you know what? That sounds plausible, considering you look all fucked up and shit. And you know, I I didn't know really what to do with this, but Galadriel left you this key with a note attached, you know, with like your name attached to it. I think you should have it. And you know, it's great that you brought her cross back, but I think you should have the cross. And then when he grabs the cross, he like looks totally normal again. Like even the horns go away. Yeah. So he heads to their secret. Bridge the, the, 50 of Treehouse. There you go. Yeah, I remembered. <laughs> I know you're trouble with proper nouns, so... That's true. Capital letters? <laughs> what are those? <laughs> and he, uh, he opens up the lockbox, and... Oh, where? I not like what happens next. Yeah, but can we go back to lock... We, we skipped over it in the original flashback when they're, they start dating, he shows her the, the lockbox where you can hide things like food and blankets. I'm like, oh, wh- wh- why do you need to hide blankets? Like, wh- why is that like a, dude, you can hide blankets here. <laughs> Check out the sick blanket I got. <laughs> but in, yeah, in the lockbox, there is a blanket on the bottom. Uh, there is a note addressed to him. And under the note, there is a devil tarot card. That is just kind of flashed upon. They don't really linger. They don't linger on it at all. It's just there underneath the note, which I thought was a good touch. Yeah. And there's a note written in Morse code because that was their thing. Yep. And it says, no, Chris, I want you to say what it says. I'm sure with, you do. Because I'm a big fan of this. Yes. And, and use the proper intonation, please. So the note says that it's. It's not really him, it's her. She's got that kind of cancer that's not the good kind, it's the bad kind. And the only reasonable thing to do as a grown adult in a long-term monogamous relationship is to keep it to herself for long enough that it's going to fucking kill her and never bring it up and make a decision for both of them that she's going to go die somewhere in an alley in fucking Los Angeles and he can fuck off because she made up her mind, goddammit. And he's just like, oh, that's so sad. Not at all a weird thing to have done. Yeah. Yeah. This is the the nader of the of the movie right here. It was I was lo- I love this movie up until that point. And then I'm just like sad trombone. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, It's it's not great. No, it's 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 ugh. It's terrible plotting. It's it's the worst part of the movie. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. It happens for two minutes, and then that's it. It it doesn't nothing changes. Like it just happens. Yeah. And then after that unnecessary chunk of time, we get back to the movie where uh, Iggy heads to the hospital to meet Sia's brother, and he's like, "Hey, man, sorry about that all." Made you eat all of the drugs things, but uh, I now know what's going on. It was Eyebrows Esquire, so I'm going to go finish this this thing. Finish him. And he's like, let me go with you. He's like, seriously, dude, you, you ate all of the drugs yesterday, like hours ago. No, you can't go with me, you fucking idiot. He's like, but, but my tolerance is so high. <laughs> Don't worry about the fact that this machine is breathing for me. Everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. So he uh he heads over to Eyebrows Esquires and he's like, "Hey buddy, what's going on?" And he's like, "Aren't you dead or something? Didn't I make a legally binding statement to the police and the news media that I don't remember somehow?" And he's like, "Yeah, whatever. This is no time to worry about the plot to this anymore. Let's go for a walk." <laughs> well, yeah, because he whoever sees the horns, whatever they talk about and say while they're under the influence, they don't remember. So he doesn't remember fighting Iggy or confessing that he killed uh, Gladriel to Iggy at all. So that's why they so he had so Iggy like plays like Hercule Poirot and gathers all the suspects 
at the scene of the crime, which is since he already knows who it, we all know who it is, is one fucking suspect at the scene of the crime and then reveals that he knows. Yeah, it was some good stuff. It was some. Yep. Yeah, and then eyebrows goes John Wick on everybody. <laughs> yeah, because he's like confess and he's like, eh, I'm not going to confess. But then douche brother and meathead are like, eh, this shotgun says maybe you should rethink that. And he's like, oh, the murder. That, yeah. I Oh, you mean Merc Diddley Erdler. Yes, yes, I did that. And then he John Wick's the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Blows a hole out of douche brother's leg. Blows all of meathead's <laughs> fucking head off. That's a great effect, too. Like, just, like... You know, I remember in Terminator 2 when he takes a shotgun blast to the head and, like, the sides of his head flop to either side. It's kind of like that, only permanent. <laughs> and it's, it's good. version of that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he, he's, Iggy says, well, sorry, I gotta, I gotta do this and take off the necklace and reveal my true form, which is angel wings, for like a second. Yep, and then... Because, you know, he's like, I I will be, I will ascend to have, oh, wait, no, I'm going to fucking get revenge on all your shit, and I'm going to kill your ass. That's something more like a devil would do. So, my wings will burn off, and then I will get, like, lava skin and big-ass horns, and it doesn't matter if you shoot me or whatever, I'm still going to come for you. Yep, and he takes a couple of shotgun blasts, get a couple of stabs with a pitchfork. Yep. And then gores him like a fucking bull. You mean like Black Philip? Yes, like a Black Philip. Because he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. Yeah. I voted for Black Philip in the election. Yeah. Well, too bad. Too bad Orange Donald won. <laughs> By voted, I mean I huffed paint and passed out and didn't vote. <laughs> well, that's better than some Ohioans did. <laughs> Yeah, I figure if I can't be part of the solution, I might as well be part of a different problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he bleeds out. And then the, the snakes come out, and then they wrap up around uh, Eyebrows Esquire, and they go through the gut wound and out the other side and down his throat hole. Yeah, basically he becomes a a, a bunch of snakes in a skin suit. Yeah. And then uh, Douche Brother's all like, hey, man, what's going on? You're turning to ash. This is kind of hot. Oh, well, I guess that's that. <laughs> and then we jump back to the very opening scene where they're weird upside down face 69. And, yeah. <laughs> and then the movie ends. Mm hmm. So, Mr. Troy. Thoughts? Oh, I have so many thoughts about this movie. I, I really enjoy this movie. I would probably call it about a nine, nine and a half if it weren't for the fucking note about the cancer. And that kind of drops it down for me a, a point or two. But I still say uh, watch this movie. Um, I, I had some weird... I don't know how I should call it an epiphany. It might be a uh, aneurysm uh, about how. Uh, Do you smell toast? No. Well, and I don't want to make jokes about that because my brother-in-law had a stroke a couple weeks ago, which is why I haven't been on the podcast so much. But because uh, we've been in the, we've been at the hospital a lot and uh, classy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and he's doing OK. Uh, but. Uh, you know, we he's still not like in you know good great shape yet, and um, but anyway, I know I kind of like had this like idea about like toxic masculinity in this movie because we have the whole you know eyebrows Esquire is the you know the stereotypical nice guy who's been friend zoned and then freaks out. And then he kind of goes to the, the ultimate extreme and kills her. But like she kind of like embodies some of that weird toxic masculinity about how like 
as Chris was uh, ranting about with like, like just like if she had just talked to him about this, they could have figured something out and there wouldn't have been weird, like emotional problems involved with all of it. Like instead she like, and since this is written by a dude, she kind of takes like the, the, the stereotypical like toxic masculinity path of just deciding this is the way it should be. I'm not going to ask for help. I should be able to do this on my own. I'm strong. I'm tough, which isn't really like something like a female character normally does, which is kind of interesting, but it's still like, is not the thing that any character should do, which is kind of annoying. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about this movie. I really enjoy, pardon me. I really enjoy it still. Uh, I think you should watch it. It's really good. Uh, Chris, what do you have to say on the subject? I also think it's pretty good. I will agree. It's like uh, the first 90-ish minutes are pretty pretty solid. I like what they're yeah. doing. I like the story. It's interesting. It is a, yeah, it is a two-hour movie, just to warn people. And then the whole thing just makes this weird pivot at the end from being this kind of like goofy-ish almost story about a a guy with horn powers trying to figure out a, a crime which is an interesting concept in and of itself to this weird like oh it's it's uh tugging on the heartstrings now like it's all it's it's almost like a different movie for the last chunk yeah which i mean given who wrote it who the, who the author of the book is and his dad it kind of makes sense it's it's good it builds up enough uh, capital in the first chunk of it that I, I didn't mind. I minded it, but it wasn't a deal breaker. Yeah, it happened, and I was like, "Oh, come on, man!" But then you know, a guy's head gets completely blown off with a shotgun. So, <laughs> a demon form. Yeah, yeah, and I should say, um, just as a as a note for my my rating, I I love I like rape revenge movies and I like religious horror. And this kind of hits both of those for me. So uh, I I may have slightly rosier tinted glasses than most people about this movie. I definitely say it's worth your time, even if it isn't the uh, the strongest thing all the way through. It's, uh, it's a little on the long side, but you don't really feel it until towards the end, because then you're kind of like, oh, OK, let's just let's let's do this. Let's get back on with this, guys. Come on. Yeah. But I say give it a go. You could do a lot worse than this for sure. And if nothing else, it's doing its own thing, which is refreshing, especially in these days with a horror adjacent movie. Yeah. And it's it's beautifully shot. Um, Alexander Aja uh, directed it. Uh, so most people know his name who probably listen to this podcast. And uh, Greg Nicotero uh, was involved with the makeup effects, which uh, I, if if you don't know, he is. He was this podcast. Um Okay. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. <laughs> yeah. So what are you watching next week, Chris? You know I don't remember. <laughs> wow, we have a, a new requester, Becky from Wales. Hi, Becky. Hi, Wales. Uh, <laughs> uh, she has requested Shadow of the Vampire, which feature, features Udo Kier, but she did warn us uh, does it, it violates the Blade rule. But she still thinks uh, we should watch the movie. Um, I will most likely not be on the episode, but Brett should be. So, uh, Becky, I, I, I give you Brett. Yeah. Congratulations. Or we're sorry. <laughs> and, or <laughs> we're sorry. But what if other people from other places like Wales want to have a movie film? What would they do, Troy? Well, they could, uh, contact us on the Facebook, such as super fan Todd did. Requesting a movie, which we will get to shortly, but uh, Becky is a first-time requester, so we moved her to the top of the queue. Uh, they can contact us through Facebook, uh, or they could email us, as Becky did, at uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach us on the Discord, where Mr. Green likes to request movies, which is can be found at discord.slaughterhouseprincess.com. Uh, if you would like to contact us on Twitter, which almost no one does, uh, we are at Slaughter Prince, which is at Slaughter Princess with no vowels in princess. 
you could go to our red, subreddit, r slash SHP podcast, which uh, no one seems to do, but it's still there. And uh, that's pretty much the best way to contact us. If you want to listen to the podcast in some other way than you're doing right now, uh, you could go to our website, slaughterhouseprincess.com, and download it and find other fun things there. You could go to iTunes, uh, Google Music, Stitcher, uh, where you can be found on all of those. And if you would like to pledge to our Patreon, you could go to Patreon or patreon.slaughterhouseprincess.com. Of course it is. Uh, you can go there. Or if you would like to get physical merchandise with our logo on it or with the word science on it, you could go to uh, store.slaughterhouseprincess.com. And uh, you can get your science towels there, which I may be the sole owner of a science towel, but I am the proud owner of a science towel. As you should be. And why wouldn't I be? What else are you going to drape over your face to travel into the mind of a serial killer? I mean, probably like thinly cut salami. But other than that, science towel all the way. Mm. Well, you can always wipe up the salami excretions. Yeah, well, you know, it gets kind of greasy once it hits face temperature. <laughs> so come back next time for uh, the thing I forgot. Shadow of the Vampire. I remembered. Yay! And uh, while other podcasts think about movies, we drink about movies. So long, everybody! Fuck you!